You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hey there, everybody. Sarah Box, your host of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about shedding our limiting labels and beliefs so that we can live our dreams and shine our unique lights into the world. Um, and this week we have another guest. We're going to be talking more about the Enneagram, different way of approaching it. But this week's guest is Elisa Preston. Um, now, Elisa is a writer and author and a personality trainer. So you can see where the Enneagram may come in there. Her passion, though, is helping people feel better from the inside out by looking at old burdens in a new way. Oh, that feels so refreshing. So as a personality teacher, Elisa uses the Enneagram to help individuals and families and groups get unstuck in their daily lives and daily operations. You know, so often we go on autopilot and we don't we just keep hitting our heads against the same walls, wondering why. But Elisa actually helps people figure out the why and make changes. Not only does she do that, though, she is also the host of her podcast, which has now been up for more than a year called Praise Through It. And what I really like about the description of her podcast, and I've not yet listened to it yet, so I don't want you to think I have, but I like the premise, which is to help us learn how to keep the true and good things in mind, be reminded of the noble, commendable, and praiseworthy, worthy, even in the midst of chaos and uncertainty, and to take a deep breath, which is my favorite, take a deep breath breath. So Elisa has been married to her pilot soldier husband for 16 years and their six-year-old daughter is the joy of her life and she'll always want to live in the sunshine. And she lives in Western New York. I don't know the weather trends in Western New York, so we'll find out how that goes for her. So today I'm going to ask Elisa though, to talk a little bit more about what do we do with the knowledge of the Enneagram once we know our number? Um, how do we use that knowledge in our parenting roles or team leader roles if it fits more for you? And then how and why our limiting beliefs can actually be paralyzing? and then how she's going to help us get through them. So with that, let's welcome our guest for today's show, Elisa Preston. Welcome, Elisa. Thank you so much, Sarah. I am so excited to be here. I love talking about everything that you just said, obviously, because it's my work, but I can tell you're really passionate about it too. So I'm really happy to be here. I am. And I like, um, I'm interested in people and I've always been interested in people. Um, I have pictures for when I was a little kid talking to talking to strangers. And um, and then I went through a stage where people said I talked too much. I'm an introvert, so I find that funny. Um, so then I tried to tamp it down. But once I got a podcast, I thought I actually get to talk to people. 
So I'm super happy about that and to learn from people because that's one of my big drivers. Um, but Elisa, I ask all our guests the same question um, and I have for over the course of the podcast. And that is, is there something that you do every day that really helps you stay focused on your own purpose and calling? Uh, yes, there's two things. One is write my tasks in my planner to include the very mundane things of every morning. I, well, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I write run, read my Bible, write Tuesday, Thursday, I write walk, read my Bible, write. So even down to those mundane things that really keeps me focused and then actually doing those things. So getting outside, reading my Bible and putting my fingers to the keyboard and writing those really keep me focused. Every so that's what I was going to ask you. You like to write, this is writing your business writing or journal type writing. So my journal type writing happens when I do my devotional and I write, read my Bible, but for 20 minutes every day during the week, I write for fun. So I've written three novels and I want to write another one. And so that's just, just my fun time is just how great is that? It's fun. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, I admire that you can write for fun, knowing that you've done books. I'm thinking when I try to do that, like, oh, I'm just going to write for fun. I'm going, okay, what will I do with it? How, um, and then I edit on the go, which is oh. what every writer is told, do not edit. You're supposed to be writing. Like, Editing's a yeah. different. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, so let's start with what motivated you to even get engaged with the Enneagram? What were you doing before? And yeah, just let's start with that. Sure. So one of my good friends, Taylor, she's a fellow military spouse. Uh, she said, hey, I, you're a counselor because I was a school counselor before this current life that I'm doing right now. And she said, do you like personality tests? Do you like personality assessments? I think you'd really like the Enneagram. And that was in the summer of 2019. And when I learned about it and I started reading about it, I just thought, oh my gosh, I'm not weird. I'm just number five, you know, cause there's nine numbers in an in the Enneagram. And it was just so fantastic to me that I could read these descriptions of myself and then read them of my husband. And we could say to each other, oh my gosh, I'm not weird. Neither are you. And it's a really basic human thing to say that we don't have to be the same in order to respect and like each other, but it's a whole nother thing to live that out. Right. Especially when you're living in the same home as somebody who approaches life very differently than you. And so just reading about that, I just became fascinated with how accurate it was. I became fascinated with how nuanced it is. So there's nine numbers, but every type has a, uh, there's three sub like, um, so I the word is escaping me, but uh, it's a subtype and there's three for every number. So there's actually 27 very distinct personalities within the Enneagram. And it was just a way to explain human behavior with motivations behind it, because every other personality assessment tool is behavior and it's outward expression. And the Enneagram gets right down to the childhood message that you heard and how that has expressed itself throughout your life. And that just grabbed me. And I love being able to understand people better. Um, fives get a reputation for not liking people. Uh, that's not true. We just don't like what we don't understand. And so if we can understand better, we're you know, just we're happier to be around, but also we just can put more compassion into the world, which is the main goal of everything. 
Well, as a sister five, I totally get it. I totally do. Yeah. Um, we can be misunderstood. Some of that we don't help ourselves out with. Sure. <laughs> From our, <laughs> That's very our, true. It's like, I wasn't my best friend in that one. Um, I'm curious, though, what, if you don't mind, is what's your husband's type? He is a seven. Oh, interesting. Okay. So fives go to seven in stress and sevens go to five in security. And so we flip flop in who we are. And that is just fascinating to me. And for us to learn about this and to get the language of, hey, I think you're focusing on fun right now. And I'm focusing on, you know, objectivity or whatever it is. Honestly, it helps me chill out because I'm usually the less internally chill person. And he's usually the less outwardly chill person. But, you know, when we can kind of strip the pride away and just be like, hey, we have the same end goal. Let's yeah. just rearrange our approaches so that we're more, you know, closely aligned than, you know, fewer arguments, a lot more fun. You know, there's an appreciation, you know, mm. that I hadn't had before to just like the and then to sit back and think, you know, in my heart, I have always believed that there really aren't any accidents, accidents. Mm -hmm. Right. Sure. Same. So but then sometimes like especially if you're like, well, why are we at odds at the moment? I'm thinking, OK, if you believe the premise that there are no accidents, you just the only thing that you don't have is an understanding of what's going on. Right. So as you said, you read the Enneagram, you start reading about yourself and I had light bulbs going off going, oh, my goodness, do I ever see that differently? Right. So it's it's fascinating when you talk about that. How do you think your type has helped you being a military spouse because that's not an easy role to play that's for sure and especially as someone who values certainty and knowledge and understanding um, a lot of that is the faith component so i'm somebody who and maybe you can relate to this if i can't know everything i don't want to know anything because I, ju I just want to know every single thing that I will need to know in order to move forward. But that's not realistic. And so that outlook and knowing that I'm not weird, that that's just how I'm built, has really helped me let go of needing to know and being okay with, you know what, I'll find out what I need to find out when I find it out. And I'll just make the best decision in this moment with what I know and I have not yet ended up in a cardboard box on the side of the road, which I'm grateful for. And so I will continue just making decisions that way, if that makes any sense. No, that makes perfect sense. Um, my husband's retired law enforcement. And for a while, um, I, I, I like to know everything. I like to know what the heck a call sign is and what's coming over and who, what was that? Right. Yeah. Because I just have this insatiable need to know. Mm -hmm. Right. But it doesn't do you any good when there are things outside of your control. Right. For sure. Yeah. When he was deployed, the worst thing people could do was be to ask me where he was and what his schedule was like that day. And if he was safe, I just got to the point where I said, uh, like I just made it up because I was like, yeah, he's safe. This is where he is. And he's fine because I knew kind of where he was. He wasn't safe at all. But if I kept thinking about all that I knew, it just wasn't doing me any good, you know, Especially but also, you, you know, a bunch, but you don't know enough to calm yourself. Mm -hmm. And so you can start spinning out. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I just and go, oh my God. Around, I had my daughter to raise and to, you know, not, you don't have to be perfect when you're raising your kids, but you want to be steady and, you know, present with security and present for sure. Yeah. So, yep. so um, you talk about how limiting beliefs can be so paralyzing, right? And that you really like focusing on the why, the motivation, the reasons, right? Talk about that and how you approach that in your work. Sure. So um, it was kind of two questions. So the first part of the paralyzing and how we just get stuck in these thought patterns. So when you read about the Enneagram and you learn more about where your childhood message came from. So for example, for the five, the childhood message is it's not okay to be comfortable in the world. So I have to meet my own needs and I have to learn everything I can in order to meet my own needs. And then you need to do the same. You need to take care of yourself. Well, that can be really paralyzing when you blow two tires on the side of the road and you don't know how to change just one spare, let alone two. So raise your hand if that's happened to you. And I'm raising my hand right now. And so thank goodness for cell phones and beautiful friends who come to your rescue when your husband's away at a military school. And if I had, if I stayed in this position of, I don't need anybody. I can learn everything I need to learn in order to live my life and live it well. I mean, not only is that so completely false and not how we are hardwired truly like in our true soul selves, but it's dangerous and it's unhealthy and it's lonely. And so, and that's just an example of the fives. Uh, We can go to another number. We can do ones. They're the perfectionist or the reformer. And they get stuck in this pattern of thinking that everything has to be perfect because if it's not perfect, it's not good. And that translates to, if I'm not perfect, I'm not good. Good meaning clean, righteous, and pure. I don't want to be any kind of irredeemable. And the very nature of humanity is the fact that we are not perfect. And it brings so much shame upon ourselves when we can't see how imperfect we are and when we get stuck on our mistakes. And so I love when people look through, cause we go through guide sheets and I love when we start going through these guide sheets and they see, Oh my gosh, this thing that I have always said to myself, that's just a part of my personality and I can change it because even though I'm a personality trainer, one of my taglines is the personality is not the be all end all. You can't, st- once you learn about yourself, you can't stay there. You have to, you know, elevate yourself. Um, as you learn. And so people read about themselves. They see that they're not strange, that they just are who they are. And then you get to, you get to kind of like pick, you get to say, you know what? I don't, I don't like that. I've been stuck in this thought pattern for so long. I can change that now. And so we just learn how to change our language. And sometimes we change our perspectives completely. So sometimes it's a 180 language shift and sometimes it's just, you know, a little step to the right or the left. What do you typically work with, Elisa? Uh, so far I have worked mostly with women in their thirties and forties. Um, I've had one woman in her sixties and then I'm just getting started into groups. So, and groups, I mean, it can be, you know, any range of, uh, 
any range of gender, but then also age, we like to keep it like 18 and above at least. So what is most fun for you though, when you're working, do you like working one-on-one or in groups or do you have a preference? Oh, the preference would depend on my mood of the day, honestly, but I'm 50, 50. I, I mean, I was a school counselor before, so I really like the one-to-one aspect But one of the reasons I loved being a school counselor is because you got one-to-one and then you also got to teach so much. That was half of my job. And I worked with military families for nine years. And so I loved it. And I loved the parent workshops. I got really into teaching um, brain development for uh, young children, like to their parents. And I love that. So, and I love playing games and I like short spurts of speaking in front of people. And so I'm really 50, 50. I love it all. I just want, I just want people to feel better. (laughs) So however I can do that is really okay with me. Not to be pigeonholed in one box or limited yourself. Um, So I'm thinking about your unique positioning with, you know, with both your knowledge as being a school counselor, Um, having that background in teaching and also being in a military community where there are these places where people can feel stuck, you know, maybe they're outsourcing or coming back out of the military. And that's been the identity for so long. And you can assume that's what you have, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious, do you see yourself in the future working more deeply in that community to help with that, whether it's people's roles changing when families come back because they're no longer being shipped off or they're, or they're leaving the military. I just got chills over my whole body. I would be, it would be one of the honors of my life to work with the military community in this capacity. They are such a special population. They have been overworked since 2001 and it's just this pervasive chronic stress and trauma cycle that a lot of them go through and i have such a heart for them and yes i absolutely would so somewhere i had a feeling you might (laughs) yeah i love them i love military families well and it's um it is a unique position i mean i think if you don't know someone or you haven't been in it or you you don't recognize that it's a different quote unquote world, right? Regardless of where you come from, you have another family, which is your military family, right? Our daughter, her husband was in the military, but I remember her being deployed overseas when she had her second child. She was in Okinawa and I'm thinking that's too far away. Right. But she had friends there that she created. And some of those people many, many years later, right. They're still friends. And so, I mean, it's that whole connection, that community that spans even before the internet spans, spans reach. So, um, but it can be lonely in there too. It can be. We just, we lived away for 15 years and we actually just moved home to our home, home, hometown. And it's, you know, it's so different. Like half our brains are still like in the South with our, you know, friends that turn family down there. But then also we really love being around our parents and our siblings up here. Um, but it's amazing. Like I can now being detached from it for a year, I can see how close my friends were down there. Like you feel it, but now knowing what family feels like and thinking, oh my gosh, 
Rosanna and Michelle and Kendall, they felt the same, you know, so it's, it is a really special thing. We've talked a little bit about our numbers and your number and your husband's, but, um, and some general things to know about our messaging, but let's talk more specifically, say someone's listening and they know their number, Elisa, but they don't know what to do. It's almost like that. So what question? So I'm a, I'm a four now what, so what, where do they go? What, what do we do with that? So the first thing I tell people is to hold it up as a mirror of compassion to yourself. So use it to learn these pieces of yourself that maybe you haven't had language for yet. And now you have language for it. And you can say to yourself, okay, yes, this is me. I am this way. And I like that about me. So I'm going to own that. And so first use it as a mirror for compassion. And then you just start doing your research. And if you want to work with somebody, obviously you'd get a coach like me. If you don't want to work with somebody and you'd just rather read about it, um, I can certainly provide some really great uh, reading resources for your listeners. Um, and so you just keep learning and you just keep deep diving. You kind of treat it as just this lifelong learning about yourself. Um, and the more you learn and then the more you intentionally kind of put it into practice, you know, cause when you start reading more about it, you're going to read things like, this is a really unhealthy thing that fours do what you can do instead is. And so if you put that into practice and you don't put too much pressure on yourself, do one thing a week, it's okay. We, this is a lifelong journey. Um, then you'll start to get unstuck. So first you've held it up as a mirror of compassion. And then you do your research, you keep learning and you get unstuck and then you hold it up as a mirror of compassion for those around you. And you start to think and you start to see, you know what, they're really not as judgmental as I thought they were. They're just motivated by advocacy or justice or perfection. And so those are my those are my three steps of how to use it. Okay, let's now let's drill down about using it in our homes. So, but more specifically, how do we use that knowledge in our role as parents? That is something I'm so passionate about as parenting. And part of the reason is because when my daughter was born, I, it was a traumatic birth. And so I had a partial hysterectomy. So she's the only one that I'll ever have. And so I've, I just kind of have poured myself into it, but also as a school counselor, seeing the um, just enormous impact that this parenting can have. Um, the first thing we do the same as before is you use it as a mirror. And so you look at yourself and you think, what am I doing to contribute to the environment in this home? What are my personality shadow sides and how is that negatively contributing to the environment of my home? And what are the really great things about my personality and how is that contributing to the environment of my home? And then you start to just reflect on the words that you say and your actions and your patterns and how your children might be receiving them. And then you just, you pay attention. So much of it is just paying attention. And then when you start reflecting and paying attention, you can kind of shift and, you know, move it, monitor and adjust as you need. I'm wondering if you get this question um, from the folks you work with, um, or even when you're just having casual converse conversations, and that is, how do I even, so I've taken the Enneagram and I'm thinking, 
someone says, what is the Enneagram? I'm, I'm going, I don't know. I took it. How do I even explain what it is to someone else? Who's like, it's a name and they maybe can't even pronounce it. Right. It's like the Ennio. What? Yeah, what? Yeah. I actually do get that a lot. Yes. Uh, I say the Enneagram is a personality assessment tool based on motivations. It's that simple. And so you take it, you don't know what it is. Any test you take that is a good test, which I can also give you the tests that I recommend will come with a really great explanation of what that number means. Um, also the Enneagram is unique in the personality assessment world in that an assessment is not all you need. You have to keep researching because when I took it, I, it said I was a one because a lot of my behaviors went toward the one, but I'm absolutely not. That is the core motivations of one don't match me at all. And so I had to read the motivations of my top three numbers. Most tests give you top three numbers and then you decide from there. And if you really can't decide and you really want to know, then you would get a coach and we can help you drill down because sometimes you just need somebody to ask you some different questions. It can be hard to see our own self. Mm -hmm. The one thing you talked about is like um, to describe the motivations versus just the behaviors. And um, those motivations touch on other parts of our personality, right? So there's the behaviors and then I'm thinking about the outward reflection. So we've got, we all have behaviors, right? Where else does it affect us? Our personality or the core motivations? The motivations. Where would someone externally see us showing up where our core motivations are driving some of that? Sure. Uh, so I, I mean, it's so nuanced. It can really happen anywhere. So there are four core, four core motivations, core fear, core desire, core weakness, and core longing. And so depending on the situation, that's what you'll see. So if we go for a seven, which is what my husband is, the core motivation is avoiding boredom and being fully satisfied and having fun. So I wish your listeners could see the, see the expression on his face the other day when I said, Hey, do you think you could read this middle grade novel before our daughter does? Cause I really want to know what you think about it. He doesn't like fiction. He doesn't read it. He's read one of my three, which doesn't hurt my feelings. Cause it's not personal, but his face was like, um, really do i do i really have, can i is there an audiobook version and then do i really have to listen to that you know and so our outward expressions often it's in those split second reactions you know like my daughter was in trouble at dinner one night and we sent her to her room and i said oh that is so much energy and my husband's response was and it's just no fun and i'm thinking fun what does fun have to do with it parenting is not always fun but him he's like why why don't you have the energy for this you know because sevens and eights and threes are known for their boundless energy and fives and nines are like the you know the most energy con you know conservationists um so it's in those you know quick reactions and i don't necessarily mean negative reactions just whatever first comes out of your mouth you know almost like a freudian slip it's so funny when I started to change my behaviors, like I knew I, I finally got the awareness of like, when I feel that stress. So like that, like you're talking about the wanting to like have our space or not, you know, like just 
too much energy. Mm -hmm. And I recognized that people would bust in on me. Like I'm in the middle of a deep thought or work. I don't know. For me, it was big, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, you just got a sec. And I just know the expression on my face was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And then all of a sudden I'm going, Sarah, it's your family. Of course you have a sec. And if you would have just taken a pause, it wouldn't have bothered you at all. Right. But it took me a long time to recognize that connection between that. And then to just go take a breath, don't say anything and just keep your face relaxed. Yeah. Cause we get stuck in these things that we've just always done and Mm -hmm. our people stick around because they love us. And so we think what nobody's left me. So I'm fine. I'm doing fine. When really there is always room, right. For improvement in our, well, and I get the feedback, like, I don't know why I was bugging you. I just needed you for a second. Right. Right. It's all about me. It had nothing to do with them. And it's like you say, it's a mirror. And sometimes I really don't want people to think that sometimes the mirror is only showing you those bright, shiny spots of yourself. Cause sometimes it goes, yeah, that was really not your best moment. Yeah. And though, but it can change, right? I get to pick. Absolutely. Absolutely. I get to pick my behaviors. Absolutely. And that's why the mirror with compassion is so important because we all have this, like the length of the shadow side of our personality is the same for everybody. It's not like one personality type has a smaller shadow side than the other. We're all, we all stink sometimes. Right. And so if we can remember that about each other and then remember that about ourselves, you know, talk to ourselves, like we encourage our friends with their pep talks, you know, give ourselves a little pep talk. I have found, and I'm not sure if you do this or if I'm just nuts. So I I put it out there that I could be nuts and I'm okay with that. But um, when I feel self-critical like that, like, oh man, you could have done better. I just think, you know what, Sarah, I have a picture of myself and actually my husband at the same age, they're like our first grade pictures and we've got them in the middle of our wedding pictures. So I think, would you be harsh with her? What would you tell her if she just did that? And then I sit with myself and go, okay, Sarah, did that feel good to you? No. Did it feel good to them? Not so much. Okay. What's the, what are we going to practice now? (laughs) But you just can't get all mad. No, because it doesn't push anything forward in a positive direction ever. No. So that's brilliant because we have these childhood messages that we have ingrained within us. And it's not always our caregivers' faults. We can't blame our parents. We can't blame our guardians, especially once we get to a certain point in adulthood. We just have to say, okay, I know this about me. And now, you know, I, I'll change directions. But yeah, I think that's brilliant. I don't think that makes you nuts at all. Well, I own it if it did, but that's, yeah, it just, it's simple, but it also, you know, Elisa also, I think that about the people, especially when I'm in conflict and I've had some major business conflicts, right? You know, business is business and it's not always smooth sailing, but when I can look at that man or woman and just go, you know what, there is an eight-year-old kid in there, a five-year-old kid in there and I want to see that energy first, right? Because that's where the heart hopefully at that point was still kind of open and, and it slows me down a bit. I just go, you know what? I'm not going to assume anything ill about this person. Cause I honestly don't know squat about them beyond their outward appearance. Absolutely. That's really wise. Well, that's a five for you, my friend. <laughs> you know, listeners, I'm being flippant, but I've, I've come <laughs> to these things by 
hard knocks and a few bruises along the way. Right. Yes. That's what you get when you live on the planet long enough um, and be grateful for it. So I do want to ask you a bit about your podcast. And I know you've got an upcoming presentation that you're doing in May. So let's start with the presentation and tell us a little bit about what you're doing and what led to that. So for the second year in a row, I am participating in a conference, an online only conference called Wives of Integrity. And it's by Carly and Mike. I'm not great at pronouncing their last name, so I'm going to say K, but they are Marriage Legacy Builders. That is the name of their company, and that's who they are on Instagram. And they have such a heart for marriage and just really feeding the, you know, the crux of the family. And so this year I'm talking about successful co-parenting within your God-given personality. And I was writing my talk for it today and it's going to come with a devotional and I am so excited about it. Now, is that open for anybody or is that just if you're a part of their community? No, it is free to the entire world. So it is happening in May. So the registration information won't be around until last year. It was mid to late April is when it was around. So that's when it'll be around again this year, but it's free for the week. And then if you end up wanting the videos for longer, you can, you know, pay for the all access pass, um, but it's, uh, they have topics ranging from finances, parenting, they have some specific military talks, newlywed, um, empty nesters. They have a lot of different topics that we deal with as married couples because marriage is Sounds enriching, easy, very enriching. Mm-hmm. So I've talked briefly about your podcast. It's a little, just had coming over after its first birthday. Mm-hmm. Okay. What was the, your inspiration for it? And um, why did you even on top of everything you else have going on, decide you should do a podcast? <laughs> you know, I just thought that changing my life after 10 years, plus starting to homeschool my daughter, plus moving into a home with two additional people and an, and an extra cat. And while the basement was being renovated, I just thought that was a great time to start, you know, producing new content and talking into a microphone. Um, so I, that's obviously the flip, you know, not flippant, but that's the answer of you see all these things on paper and you think, why am I doing this? But you know, at the bottom of yourself that this, you know, the bottom of your heart, that this is what you're supposed to be doing. So I actually, it actually started way back. Oh, I don't even know how many years ago when I was running one time and I was talking to God about how I was feeling, not being able to have another kid. And he said a couple of things. He said, your pain is not for you. And then I heard this phrase praise through postpartum. I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to hang on to that. I don't really know what to do with it yet. And then a couple of years later, I thought, oh my gosh, is this it's actually my cousin who I Marco Polo with every day, my best friend, she said, I think you should just start a podcast. You have so many things to say. And, you know, I was called shy all my life. I have not been listened to very much of my life because I'm more softly spoken than a lot of my peers. And I thought, no, that's stupid. I don't want to do that. And that's way too scary. 
And then I got really sick in November of 2019, right before COVID. And I, I call myself a pioneer because I had every single symptom of COVID except for loss of taste, but I got better before they really started testing everybody and living at Fort Bragg, a global population. It's extremely possible that I had it, but I was really sick for four months. I had a lot of time on the couch and a lot of time with my journal and I just thought, okay, okay, well, what's my next step? Cause I know some things are changing here. And so I just thought, well, I'll just try that. And I, I love reframing things. I love helping people see things in a new way because one of my least favorite things is complaining. And so I think if we, <laughs> you're laughing, is that yours as well? One of yours? <laughs> I just reframed before coming in here. I was out and my husband goes, I'm going to have to go to the store. I said, okay, you know, I'm going to be mad. And I said, I'm thinking if you haven't even left, how are you going to be mad? He goes, because I know the prices are going to be higher. And I started laughing. I says, okay, honey, does that, does that feel good? He goes, sometimes I'm just in the mood to be cranky. I says, have at it. <laughs> but because I will reframe and it's annoying as heck for people who want to have the feeling they're having. Right. But I just, I just thought that was so funny when you said that I'm going, yeah, I don't like complaining either. If you, yeah. if you actually know the source of your pain, do something. And if it's nothing you can do anything about, don't, don't bother complaining because right. it's not going to change anything. But it makes me laugh because it's just, it really is just my pet peeve. Yeah. But, yeah. but thanks for sharing it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And you know, it can sound so heartless to some people, but really like for, at least for me, it's just inefficient. It's just a waste of time. And we're so like time and energy oriented, you know? And so, um, I kind of lost where I was in that story. You were talking about being at Fort Bragg and being ill and on the oh, couch no, and how you right. transition transformation. Yeah. And so the praise through postpartum just really stuck with me and I don't have, you know, my purpose is not to stay in the postpartum world. There are women who can speak so beautifully and powerfully to that. And I just can't, but I know that I'm great at reframing. I know that I'm helping people feel better. And so that's what I wanted to do. And so I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to start a podcast, God, you're going to have to make this so, so completely transparently clear to me because I don't like the sound of my voice. I don't like talking too much. Um, I mean, I'll be in front of a class teaching and I'll say, am I talking too much? You know, which is ridiculous because I'm the one with the knowledge to pass on. And so I started listening to my own Marco Polos that I was sending to Missy and just normalizing it for myself and just really got over that hump of my personality that doesn't like to, you know, showboat and be out in front. And I just went for it. And it's been a steep learning curve, but when I turned it into something that I didn't have to make super successful right away, that I could stumble through and learn and realize, you know what? I like learning in front of 30 people instead of 3000 people. Um, then I just started having a lot of fun with it and I still really am. So. It's um, it is uncomfortable or it was for me at least in the beginning. Cause honestly I had some of the same internal reactions and I actually often think I love helping other people succeed as long as I can be one off to the side, mm -hmm. but you know what? You're right. You are the one in the front of the room teaching. So you kind of do have to speak up and share what you know, yeah. but um, 
So then praise through it came off of the praise through postpartum and the moving beyond all of that. Yes. Yes. And from Philippians four, eight, which I have had on an index card, you know, taped somewhere in my house for as long as I can remember. And I, it's just a beautiful way to see the world. And it's a true way to see the world because we have to get to this place where we understand that truth is dark and it's light. There's a dark side to every light truth. There's a shadow side to every sunny day. And so I figure if I can help people see both of those, we can be healthier. We can be nicer to each other. We can listen to each other more often. Um, and I just, I just love seeing that permeate every facet of our lives. I'm right in line with you, Elisa. Mm -hmm. um, tell me or tell our audience where people can find you. So if someone wants to learn more or read more from you, find out about your other books, where do they go to do that? The first place you would go would be my website, elisapreston.com. And it's all very clear right there. Um, I do have an Enneagram blog. And so I just started teaching a deep dive into each number once per week. So we're only, well, I don't know when this will air, but we're doing, that's what we're doing right now. We did a Christmas series, which was a lot of fun, like Frosty, the snowman in the Enneagram, Santa Claus, Rudolph, it was a blast. So there's a whole Enneagram blog there. And then I do a Friday crew email every week. I call my people, my Friday crew, and we do adulting and personality tips to send you into the weekend. So there's always a very short video from me and of, it's a very quick read. It's two to five minutes. Um, and then I always like supplement at the bottom with more things over on Instagram where I am Elisa Preston. So we will put all of that in the show notes as our listeners know, is there one piece of advice you would give young Elisa? If you, if she knew at eight, what you know today. Hmm. I would say show what you know, be confident, show what you know, don't hide it because you're really valuable. That is great advice for all of us, but especially for us fives. For us fives, yes. <laughs> okay, Elisa, thanks so much. I appreciate you taking time to be a guest on the podcast. Mostly I appreciate what I know. There's at least one person and I in my heart, believe there's many more than that who have taken something from what you shared today that is going to help them crack open something they have felt stuck around. So um, for that, thanks for being here. Um, and I'm so glad you're just living out your role. Thank you. I love it. I'm having a lot of fun. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.